You're listening to the Inside Study Abroad podcast, episode number five. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm really really just full of gratitude for all the great feedback I've been getting from so many people who have been tuning into the podcast. It's been it's been a real, real delight. If you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, I really would appreciate it if you could take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave a review, whatever that review might be. I would love to, to hear what you think and it'll help the podcast get discovered by more people who are interested in and in learning more about international education and meaningful travel and the people who make that world run and function. So I really, really appreciate all your support. So before we get into this week's episode, which I'm really excited to bring to you guys for a lot of reasons, I just wanted to sort of give a little recap of my experience at the Global Internship Conference last week. I was in Boston for about three days mingling and getting to know a ton of different people who are focusing on internships, but specifically international internship experiences. And I have to give a big, huge thank you to uh, my friend and colleague, Kate Moore, who is the executive director of AIC, the Academic Internship Council, for inviting me. So why was I there? So technically, I don't work in an internship company anymore. I do have interns on it from time to time at Inside Study Abroad, um, but I'm not technically working in that space directly. Well, Kate and the team over at GIC were incredibly kind to invite me to participate in the mock debate. Now, last year in Dublin, they started this, what I hope becomes a real tradition, but they started this concept um, before the sort of opening reception of having a debate and and formatting it based on the local government. So for instance, they had it in Dublin last year, so it was based on sort of the Irish tradition of how they how they do debates in, in their government. And then this year, it being in the United States, and in Boston, which is the home of the Ted Kennedy Institute, as well as the JFK Library, uh, we had the great pleasure of having the debate in the real-life replica of the the Senate chamber in D.C. So it was it was really cool. I, for lack of a better phrase, it was just really awesome. Uh, I uh, w- amongst my peers were some really great people. Uh, from Global Experiences, we had Emily Merson, uh, we had Nora Larkin from Kappa, and we had R. Kelly Cameron from Northeastern University. And we each were asked to sort of present a big idea, this sort of blue sky idea, this a big concept that we had to drill down, convince the, the Senate, if you will, the attendees of GIC of why our idea should be the number one priority um, for the government m- moving forward. Some really incredible presentations were given. I'm really proud to sort of share the stage, so to speak, with that group of people. I have to say, though, I'm really pumped. I technically did win, although totally by the skin of my nose. Uh, It was such a close vote, if you will. They did it by applause, and I think I won by one 
decibel. Um, so it was a, such, it, and winning doesn't really matter. It was honestly just a, a, a pleasure to do it and, and really a true honor to be asked to participate. And, and frankly, just a lot of fun. We had, we had a lot of giggles and laughs throughout the experience as well. So if uh, you're curious about that's gonna, what that was and, um, and hopefully to watch a recording of it, it's going to be live on the interwebs at some point. And once it's up there, I'll definitely share a link to that video if you're curious and want to sort of see inside the room and and what it was all about. And I encourage you guys to take a look at the Global Internship Conference and join join them next year in Santiago, Chile, next June. Thank you again to the GIC team for having me. It was a real pleasure. Now let's get into the show. This week, I am bringing on a dear friend of mine, but also a colleague I have a tremendous amount of respect for in in our space. I'm bringing on Natalie Garrett. And I should mention, just because a lot of people do know her, but they know her as Natalie Canfield, and she recently changed her her name. Natalie Garrett is not her married name. And she is the Director of Marketing and Customer Experience at VIA TRM. And I also should mention that VIA TRM used to be known as Project Travel. So if you're familiar with that, they are now via TRM. Natalie is my guest today. We're actually going to be talking about a joint venture that she and I have started together called the Study Abroad Journal. And some of you have made uh, probably heard me talk about this, or if if not, I'm I'm surprised. I have the thing with me in my bag at all all moments. So it's very rare that I don't meet somebody like you know, on the plane or something where I'm like, oh, do you want to know about the study abroad journal? So if you're just learning, if this is news to you, you're just discovering the study abroad journal, um, you are in it for a treat. We're going to talk a lot about where we got this idea and why we think something like this is is really important and and valuable for the future of international education and, and meaningful international experiences abroad. We're also going to talk a, little, a lot about Natalie's uh, background and her personal and educational experience with experiential learning and reflection. Uh, she went to Prescott College. She's going to talk a lot about the their philosophy of education there and sort of how ingrained in her. She's sort of my experiential education guru. And her background in, in that area, um, along with my background working in international programs over the years, so sort of merge these together to try to create this really great reflective goal setting action planning experience for students in a physical journal like an actual pen and paper experience which we're really excited about so I hope that was a good teaser for you guys let's get into the show thank you so much for being here Natalie let's start with you telling us how you got started in this world of meaningful travel or educational travel I think I need to go back to my circuitous college path because that sort of sparked the part in me that was really excited about learning. I grew up in Arizona and went to very traditional educational institutions, so public education through high school. Um, and I was actually a first-generation college student. I landed at a college that that wasn't such a great fit for me because I, I really thought that every college out there was this bastion of learning and had all of these excited students there who were, you know, ready to kind of jump into academia. Um, but what I learned is that all, not all colleges are cut from the same mold and I was looking for something a little bit different. And so I somehow landed, um, I was actually looking for a study abroad experience and I, I don't even think you know this, Brooke, but 
I was looking to study abroad for a semester and realized uh, that, number one, I was a little bit late to the game. So kids plan early. Um, (laughs) It was a lot more expensive than I thought it would be as a, you know, full financial aid student. And so I was just scared away by that initially. And so what I did was did a little search of what my other options were. Um, and I landed at the biosphere in Tucson, Arizona, which was a program through Columbia university. And it was a semester studying the environment, the human impact on the environment, some really hardcore geology and natural history, ecology, marine science, believe it or not in the middle of Arizona. Um, because all of it was about, experiential learning and getting your hands dirty and really, really experiencing the thing that you were learning about. So if we were studying geology, we were traveling to the Grand Canyon to do it. If we were studying marine science and intertidal zones, we were traveling to Mexico to really be immersed in that experience. And so after that semester at the biosphere, I realized that I didn't want to go back to a traditional learning environment and started seeking out kind of alternative colleges and found myself at Prescott College, um, which is a tiny, tiny hippie school in the middle of Arizona. Wait, I got to stop you for one second. So how, how would the folks at Prescott feel if they heard you calling it the hippie school? Uh, they would be like, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's awesome. What it is. <laughs> That's, That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, just to really emphasize that we didn't, I mean, they still don't really. We didn't have sports. We don't have a mascot. I worked in admissions at Prescott College for my first job. And I remember a salesperson calling, trying to sell us like swag of some kind. And she was like, what are your school colors? And I said, we don't have school colors. And she just didn't know how to respond. (laughs) But I was like, we just learn. That's what we do. That's our mascot. That's our mascot. It should be like an owl. It should be an owl with glasses, spectacles. Or dirt. I mean, we (laughs) joke that like dirt was our school color. I I was not a hippie growing up. I I was always focused on the environment and sustainability, which is is one of the focuses of, of Prescott College. But what I really, really, really wanted was a life shattering and shaking education. And that's what I got there. The way that they make that happen is is really unique. First and foremost, you have to arrive as a very self-directed person, a person who's willing to say, this is my education and I'm taking it into my hands and I'm going to be in control over it. Every single student creates their own degree program. And this is one thing that that really went into the study abroad journal. But for every single class, you fill out what's called a learning contract. And that learning contract is basic goal setting. You actually learn as a student how to learn outside of that class, even because you're you're doing all these practices that you can apply to your outside life. You're setting goals for each course. You're actually determining how you're going to meet those goals. So setting action items for each of the goals. And then you meet with your professor to say, okay, wow, that goal is like a PhD thesis. And I love how excited you are about marine science or whatever I was doing at that time. But let's tone it down about 50 notches. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can totally see you needing to do that a little bit when you're ac- with your academic studies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my very first class, I was like, well, I'm going to write. I think it was Natural History and Ecology of the Southwest. And I was going to write a brand new field guide to the Southwest, oh, like God. for everything, for like 
plants, animals, natural history, geology, ecology, everything. I was just going to do it all. My professor, Carl, of course, everyone goes by their first name. Carl was like, let's talk about that 15 years from now when you're finishing your PhD or whatever. What was really great about that, and, and honestly, it, it took me a couple semesters to get the cadence, to understand what it meant to really take ownership over my education, because no one had ever given me that before. I didn't know what to do with it, because, you know, I, I was a high-achieving student. I was in honors classes in high school, but everyone had always given me a list of the things that I was supposed to learn and regurgitate and give back to them. And my professors at Prescott College were really like, I don't have any expectations for what you need to learn. This is your experience. So what do you want out of it? When you talk about this idea of creating your own degree plan and being self-directed, I mean, I consider myself a go-getter. I feel like, especially at this stage in my career, my life, like I, I can make things happen. 18-year-old Brooke or 17-year-old Brooke, you know, when going into college, I would have been so freaked out by that. And so yeah. I know I had it I, ha- I had it in me eventually in my life, but where did that come from inside of you? Was there something growing up that you demonstrated that in a level of initiative, that level of ownership in other ways as a child or in high school or even earlier in college that set the stage for you to be able to take on an experience like that? Because I think even a lot of students today gravitate, you know, towards an experience like that. And then others would just be like crumble in fear. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think that was for you? Well, I think two things. One is that I transferred there. So I was a little bit older. I was 21 when I transferred, so I definitely didn't go right out of high school. I think the second thing, first and foremost, is I had the, I had this drive in me that was like, there has got to be something more than filling out bubbles on a test, multiple choice questions about things that I would, I would really love to get some experience in. So I think that was my drive. And I won't tell you what college I went to first, but I will tell you that. Ooh, it's a secret, everybody. You'll have to bribe her to find out. Go on my LinkedIn profile and find out. You know, after my experience there, I went to to many of my professors and said, listen, I I really want to get involved as an undergraduate. I want to do research. I want to do something to to get the experience of being a biology major and really knowing what that would be like after college. And I got turned away left and right. And, you know, I was a freshman, sophomore student, so I understand that I was an undergraduate, but I was just like desperate for getting involved. And I eventually took it up to the vice provost. And you were that student. Yeah. I was that student. (laughs) I was totally that student. I was a firecracker a little bit, not surprising to most people. So, I mean, I think that that was it. I, I think that, I think that I always had that drive to be like, I'm pretty sure this isn't what learning looks like for me. So let's so let's fast forward. I mean, you already teased out a little bit about the journal, but before that though, you you decided to do admissions. Why admissions? So admissions for me was sort of a passion project because I I mentioned this earlier, but I am a first generation college student. I ended up having this sort of life changing, you know path-changing college experience, and I wanted to help more students have that. Mm -hmm. So for the same reasons that, you know, folks get into study abroad, that, you know, you know you can help more students have this this kind of life-changing experience, I did the same thing in admissions. I, you know, it was really important to me for other high school students to see that 
a first-generation college student from a public school in Tempe, Arizona, that has, you know, no understanding of what experiential learning could possibly be. And really no one had taught me how to like own my own experience, except for that one, that one teacher I had in high school. I wanted someone to see themselves in me and say, actually, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I know that I can do it, even if I don't have the family money or, you know, even the even the support of my family. My family was wonderful. They were super supportive, but they were often like, we don't really understand what you're doing or, or why you're doing it, but we're really proud of you, which was lovely. So what happened next? I, I'm going to cut to the chase a little bit. I know you worked in admissions at Prescott. I know then you worked at admissions at Marymount College in California. How, how did you segue into the international education space? What, what happened there? I decided that I was ready to switch my path and I didn't know what that looked like yet. And so I started applying to graduate school and ended up at the UCLA Higher Education and Organizational Change Master of Arts program because what I thought I wanted to dabble in was research and yeah, just getting some more research under my belt, understanding social science research as it applies to, to higher education. And what I realized is I started reading all of these student development theories and it's not rocket science, right? We just have to give these students, <laughs> you're giggling over there, <laughs> these students a very palpable learning experience where they're sort of taken out of their element and they they learn something completely different about themselves and about whatever they're learning about. And so I, I realized I was like, you know, I think I want to take a dive into, into study abroad because I think that for me, that's like the mainstream experiential learning right. opportunity that students have in college. Mainstream, though, still so underrepresented across the, yeah. you know, the larger, you know, higher ed population. But that's oh, a yeah. topic for another time, but still. A topic for another time, that, that like 3%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's always been one of my interests is, is how to bring, and, and this is an awesome segue to the study abroad journal, uh, how to bring the type of learning and the type of ownership that I had over my college education to a really, really broad population. It's always been something I'm curious about. Like, I, I understand that not everyone can be in a class of 12 students and, and kayak along Central California to learn about marine studies, right? I had this magical opportunity to do that. But how can we put those tools into any student's hand who wants those tools? Right, right, exactly. To be able to create that experience for themselves. There's so many ways we can sort of start this story. So as I talked about in the intro, Natalie and I are co-founders on the Study Abroad Journal, which is the first of many of these types of, I've, I've been telling people it's like a, a, it's a reflective learning experience for students disguised as a keepsake. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. so, you know, no, but seriously, um, this idea of giving every student a very affordable thing, regardless of the type of program that they go on, whether they go on a big, fancy you know, more higher end provider program with all the bells and whistles, or they go on a more low key, bare bones kind of exchange agreement, whatever that looks like, they they will have this one tool that they can sort of utilize on their own and, and process on their own throughout the entire experience with this sort of guided friend along the way, this little book that they're going to have with them and can keep with them, you know, until till whenever I and mean, look at it years, decades later. So let's start to talk a little bit about 
where this came from. I mean, you kind of brought this sort of deep embedded experiential learning sort of almost religion. <laughs> if you guys get to know Natalie, it's definitely part of like who she is. We met, I, should, I feel like we should say, this is where for anybody who's listening, who is also just interested in breaking into the field and, you know, understanding different career paths. Natalie and I both worked for the same internship abroad organization uh, called USA in Boston, and but not at the same time, actually years apart even. But it's a type of organization. Once you're part of the USA family, you're kind of always in. Once you're in the mob, you're always in the mob. And so <laughs> Natalie and I were definitely, uh, we, we were introduced, you know, as like, oh, you know, USA to USA, but then we got to know each other and sort of really hit it off. We were both living in Colorado at the time. And honestly, I can't really remember. Maybe you remember, Natalie. I just think we'd had multiple conversations at various points. We just would both get on our little soapboxes about, yeah. you know, you'd be like experiential learning. And I'm like, well, in our field, we're constantly talking about the deficit that students come home with. They had this great experience experience, but they can't articulate it. They had this great experience, but they can't leverage it in a proper way to get a job, get into grad school, impress mom and dad, whatever. And, and we're so frustrated with that process of like this concept. I mean, I probably sat in a dozen uh, sessions at various NAFSA conferences about going beyond awesome. And I thought, well, okay, well, let's give them, let's create a tool. You know, it may not be perfect, but let's let's do it. And I think our first iteration was like, maybe there's this like online experience. And sort of we, we were sort of circling around this concept, sort of brainstorming of like, how do we help a student be a badass abroad, right? How do they come home and just knock the socks off of anybody they meet because of the way they can articulate their experience, the way they engage with the experience, and, and made it more than just a list of places I visited and a list of selfies I took. And it evolved over literally years into um, a physical journal. Any, anything else you'd want to add to that story, that evolution? So I do remember the first conversation that we had about, okay. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I went to your house in Fort Collins and I came over, I stopped by your house for tea. Oh, and we yeah. were just going to have tea, but I ended <laughs> up staying <laughs> at your house. I think past midnight. Yeah. I, I think it was one of those things where we were just, we were oh, just yeah, really. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That we was, were just, I do remember that now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We were just really passionate and yeah. really wanting to, to find a way. And, I, and one of the metaphors that I remember talking about was, you know, we as a field do a great, a great job of building the bridge of saying, here's your program. Here it all is laid out. But I remember what we talked about is how can we get students to like fully cross that bridge? Like, so they're, they're standing on the edge and they see this program right in front of them. And what are the ways that we can sort of push them to say, okay, get halfway across the bridge. Okay. Now, now get all the way across the bridge and look behind you and say, what did you see along the way? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things I've, I've actually, gosh, I saw this on the internet somewhere recently, but oh, the just, internet. Oh, the internet. Uh, yeah. I will, I will um, attribute this to the internet. Um, but, um, there was some, someone did a study of, um, and this, this is part of reflective learning. Someone did a study that look at, look at a room and then close your eyes and then they ask questions about what's in the room. And a lot of people can't say, okay, there's a, and I'm looking in my office right now, okay, there's a, a ballerina statue, there's a frog um, I have a frog Buddha in here and, you know, all of these things. But if you give people some direction and say, I want you to notice everything that's red, 
if you give them that slight bit of direction when they close their eyes, they can actually say, okay, well, there's this mirror that says serenity that's red and there's a peace flag that, or a prayer flag that's red and, you know, there's a painting that's red. So if you give them those little nuggets along the way and say, here are the, here are the kind of things that you should watch out for, it's a lot easier to identify what's there. Right. If that makes sense. No, so like, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, that, I think that's what, that's, that's really what the study abroad journal does is, is to say, we're not going to give you this blank slate and say, you know, good luck learning, good luck writing down all the things that you learned. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a structure right. to say, here are the things that we think you might want to focus on. Right. Here are some areas. Yeah. We're of a different generation. I think even our generation, it was, it, for me, I, I was scared to death of like a free form journaling experience. Like, dear diary, today I had a cappuccino. You know, and the, I, you know I, I know I struggled to sort of think through these things even back then. And I, I definitely had, with my program I did in London, we, we definitely had these like reflective questions we had to answer. It honestly never dawned on me to save them for myself right? To see like, what did I say about that? And I just sent it off, right? To my professor and, and never really got it back. It was just like, yeah, you check, you did it. Right. What I love about this is that the student owns it. And I think this whole concept of ownership, I mean, you mentioned it many times, even talking about your undergrad experience is, you know, we want students to physically own the journal, it to be theirs, but also it to empower them to own their experience. Thinking of this idea in our in our profession as professionals, I feel like sometimes we're holding on so hard to student learning and development, student learning and development. And we're trying to, in some ways, like over-program the experience for students. You know, sort of saying, do this and do this and do this and do this. And they're, they're just sort of going through the motions, like show up here, fill out this thing and do the, do whatever. Instead of them saying, this is what I want to learn this is my goal in this area of my experience. And these are the things I'm going to do to achieve that goal. And, and this is how I'm going to hold myself accountable. All these things, this idea of a student saying to them, this is what success looks like for me. And instead of it being prescribed from a faculty member or a program director or what have you. And I, and I think the cool thing about the journal is that it marries nicely with those other things, right? Sort of those other interventions, if you will, that, that are created on the ground. The study abroad journal kind of goes nicely parallel with all those things. Yeah. And I think this just dawned on me, but one of the first things you learn as an undergraduate at Prescott College is how you're evaluated and you're evaluated on an entire portfolio of your experience. And it makes me sad that you're saying that you have somewhere out in the world, there was all this awesome Brook reflection on all of your learning and you don't have that in your hands because I have, I have a portfolio for every single class that I took. Right. You know, I I have everything. And, and I do have to say that it really, what you just said completely resonated with me because it it really is as simple as saying, what do you want to learn? How are you going to achieve that? How will you know that you've accomplished that? And then what went well and what did it? Right. Reflect on that learning. And, you know, I always, I goof around, especially with my, my Prescott College friends, because there were, there were just these things that we did. Like at the end of the day, you like circle up and have a debrief of how the day went. And you kind of joke around about it, but it actually, it does help you. It does help you sort of solidify what it was you experienced that day. 
you know, if you don't check off the box, if you aren't, quote, successful in achieving that thing, it's still success because you tried something, you learned something from that process. Whereas, you know, for a course, if they don't, you know, check off certain boxes, they may not, you know, get a passing grade or they may not, you know, get credit for their experience. Whereas this isn't bound to credit. This isn't bound to these other things. It's totally bound to them owning it for themselves. Making a safe place for students to completely fall on their face is is also what this journal is about, at least for me, is like, you know, if you if you set all of these PhD dissertation level goals that you're not going to meet and then you don't meet them, it's like, well, that's okay. What what went down there? Like, and that's yeah, the like, there. We have a whole it. section in the journal that says, okay, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, what's going on here? So let's try to briefly walk through, you know, if somebody uh, were to get the journal, give us the sort of the broad strokes. Well, so first and foremost, we, we provide a framework for really helping students set goals in four different areas. One is academic engagement. Two is cultural exploration. Of course, there's career development, very important. And then we give students a wildcard option. We provide those, that framework so that they can create one program goal in each of those areas. And that's like a big picture. What is the one thing that you want to get out of your program in this area? And we also tell them in the very beginning, you are welcome to get a pencil or, or the nearest blunt object and scratch all of these out and make your own if you really, if you, if you want to do that. Within that framework, we take them through sort of a structure to help them start brainstorming and dreaming. So basically a life without limitation, what would that look like? And that's where they're like, oh, PhD dissertation mm-hmm. while yeah. I'm you know, doing a language immersion in France or whatever. And then we take them into setting realistic goals from that brainstorming and dreaming through making an action plan, assessing how, how it went. So we do that weekly and monthly. Um, and then a program reflection at the very end. And, and there are pieces of reflection daily, weekly, and monthly. But, but really at the end is the time to kind of look back and say, how did it all go? What worked? What didn't work? And then, of course, throughout the process, they can reassess their goals, set different goals week by week or month to month, depending on how it's going. One of the things I was trying to bring into this journal is a lot of, you know, me, being an entrepreneur and having a couple different companies and, and, and learning and failing in so many different ways on my own outside of like my career in international ed or as a student in international ed. I, I felt like I wanted to bring in these concept, uh, the site concepts of goal setting and different research that shows happiness, productivity, uh, moving the needle on whatever is most important to you in your life or your career or education. And so my favorite thing, honestly, about the journal is the the daily pages. And for a couple of reasons, one is that every single day a student is asked to say one thing that they are grateful for. And as professionals in this space, we know that students are going to go through a roller coaster of emotions and experiences and interactions on the ground that are either going to make or break any given day, let alone a moment in their day. And and so we want students every single day, even on the highest days or the lowest days, to recognize some positive element of that experience, something they're grateful for. You know, even if they're super homesick and hating life in general, wherever they are, maybe they were just really, you know, thankful that the tulips were blooming that day or whatever. Even just saying one thing you're grateful for at the start of your day every day is shown to escalate people's mood, also down to like the chemical 
chemical level, your level of endorphins, it de- decreases cortisol, all sorts of great stuff. So I got a little sciencey there. Did you like that? Yeah. Um, I love it. <laughs> and and then the other thing I like about our daily pages, and this probably for me, the thing ah, as a as an alum, you know, of these programs gosh, I wish I had had this every single day. But every single day we ask a student, what will you remember most about today? I love the way we phrase that only because, like I said before, because of the highs and the lows and the mid-range, you know, experiences is that we don't want to lead students to think like, what was great? You know, what was horrible? You know, we just want to, what are you going to remember most? What's going to be most salient to your, you know, self five years ago? from now, 100 years from now, whatever, uh, what is going to just really resonate with you and whether that was something really horrible and it's like a deep, emotive, reflective thing or it might have been like, dang, that was good gelato I had today. You know, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it could have been, you know, and this, and this spectrum is, is quite broad there. I'm really excited about the daily pages. And my favorites are the weekly reflection, <laughs> mostly because we have a graphing situation that's happening. So <laughs> yes. every single week, um, we ask the student on a scale of one to 10, 10 being balls, which we learned that balls isn't really used by college students now. So yeah, that so word is probably going to be edited out. <laughs> um, <laughs> 10 being balls, one being a root canal. So like not a good day. How did you feel this week? And so we give them a scale of one to 10. And then at the end of their program, they have the opportunity to, in full seventh grade style, graph how they felt week by week and look at a, at a big picture to say, oh, wow, week one, I was like on top of the world. And geez, what happened week three? And they can like go back to week three and say, oh, oh, right. That's right. where I got my first paper back. And it did not, did not go well because I don't understand the grading system and wherever I am. So that's my favorite part is yeah. just to give them a sort of a visual of the whole program and their ups and downs throughout. Right. And, I, you know, I think the real hope too with the journal is at the end of the day, a student just walks away from the experience, all, you know, for lack of a better term, really being badass, but also just sort of knowing what they're they're capable of and knowing you know how they they could use this kind of framework in lots of different ways in the rest of their college career or into their you know in the into their their professional career and just life in general this concept of how do I gauge fully with where I am what I'm doing right now and extrapolate a ton of value and learning from this from this experience as you guys can probably tell, Natalie and I are super excited about this. We're kind of big fans. Is this going to be a three-hour-long um, No, we're going to wrap it up pretty quick here. So, <laughs> uh, If anybody was worried about the length of this podcast, yeah. This was awesome, Natalie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I am so excited to be launching this with you. Me too. Thank you for having me, Brooke. That's a wrap, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Natalie. It's always a pleasure to get to chat with you. And for those of you who want to connect with Natalie directly, you can check her out on Twitter as at Life of Nudes, N-O-O-D-S. You'll have to ask her what that stands for, but Life of Nudes over on Twitter. And of course, if you want to learn more about the Study Abroad Journal, head on over to our website, thestudyabroadjournal.com. And we decided to do something a little special for all you amazing podcast listeners. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy of the journal when we're ready to ship these out in August, you can get a 10% off your order when you use the code INSIDE. SA. 
And I'll have all this linked to in the show notes. Until then, please come over and check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat as at the new Dorothy. And until next time, get out there and make some magic happen. Thank you.